Ghost Guns, oh my. This week on Mail Call Mondays. I'm John McQuay with 8541 Tactical, and this is Mail Call Mondays, the show that answers your questions about precision rifles, optics, and equipment. And today we are going to talk about ghost guns, and man, I hate that term. Uh, so this video will probably get demonetized right off the bat, so if you like the content that we put out, please check us out over on Patreon so you can find out how to support the content that you know and love. So let's talk about real quick what a ghost gun is. And uh, a ghost gun is pretty much a term made up by politicians to describe 80% lower receivers and uh, firearm receivers in general. So a 80% lower or an 80% receiver is uh, basically just a hunk of metal or plastic uh, that is not classified as a firearm by the ATF. Whereas if you normally took a regular AR-15 lower receiver with no parts on it whatsoever, that lower receiver is still classified as a firearm. It still has a serial number on it and it is still transferred just like a complete AR-15. Uh, the same thing with a uh, Glock uh, handgun lower receiver or generally just referred to as a receiver a regular Glock receiver has a serial number on it and it is considered a firearm and is transferred just the same as any other handgun even if it does not have enough parts in it to actually make it a functional firearm so that is a firearm a 80% receiver just does not have the final machining, the final milling, the final holes drilled that allows you to actually assemble that uh, without uh, any kind of manufacturing tools. Uh, so it's kind of arbitrary what is actually considered an 80% or not. Most uh, companies submit samples to the ATF. The ATF technical branch looks at them and determines if they consider it a firearm or not a firearm. If they say not, it's not a firearm, uh, then the manufacturers can sell those directly without going through an FFL uh, in order to deliver them to a customer. And they do not have to serialize them or mark them with any of the markings that are required for a firearm, like manufacturer, city, and state of manufacture. So this has put 80% uh, receivers in a little bit of a bind with politicians. Now, I've been a police officer for about 17 years now, and I can tell you that I have yet to find a 80% firearm used in the commission of a crime. Now, I'm not uh, naive enough to believe that that has not happened at some point, um, but they are so uncommon, it is comical that this all of a sudden has become a national political thing. Uh, so... Let's talk a little bit, uh, first of all, about the handgun that we have here and then why I put it together and then uh, why this really is a big political mess that is a non-issue uh, for those of us that are on the street. Uh, so first of all, what I have here is a P940C um, made by Polymer 80. Uh, so this is a Glock compatible frame. Uh, it comes in a box as a chunk of plastic with a big red uh, box clamped around it. And uh, that is a drill guide. And the kit that I bought actually came with drill bits and an end mill uh, to be able to make things a little bit easier. Uh, some kits come with the bits, some kits come without the bits. It depends on who you get it from. 
so it didn't have any of the other parts. It just had the specific Polymer 80 locking block because Glock polymer frames have a locking block and it also had uh, frame rails in it. So I had to uh, drill out and machine out some pieces of plastic, remove some other pieces of plastic, drill some holes, uh, all in fairly good alignment before I could take uh, my other pile of Glock parts and assemble it onto this frame. Now what I have right here is the Polymer 80 frame. I have an Overwatch Precision Trigger, a Surefire XC1 on here. I have a Brownells uh, Glock 19 compatible frame. I have a Agency Arms G19 barrel and an Agency Arms uh, P940C Magwell on here, and then a Meprolite uh, bullseye sight on top. This is a separate product that I'm uh, doing a little bit of evaluation on before we shoot a video on that. And then I've got a Tango Down uh, slide stop on this side and a regular Glock extended uh, magazine release on here. Everything else inside is a factory Glock component with the exception of the recoil assembly. Uh, that is a captured guide rod uh, and flat wire spring recoil assembly. Uh, so once you actually do the magic on the uh, frame, on the receiver, uh, it will accept Gen 3 Glock 19 parts. So I could take a Gen 3 Glock 19 strip it all the way down, remove the frame, um, do the magic to the Polymer 80 frame, and then put all those parts on it. Uh, and I would effectively have a Glock 19 uh, with a modified uh, frame on it. Now, why would you want to do that? So there are a couple of reasons. First of all, the Polymer 80 frames are a really nice product. They've got really aggressive stippling on here, uh, which is something you generally pay a lot of money to send a Glock frame off for, especially a Gen 3 frame that tends to be a little slick. Uh, it has a really nice undercut and really nice shaping to the trigger guard. So when you drive your handgun out in a nice two-handed grip, it feels really nice. It aids that high grip. You've got a beaver tail on the back, which some guys that have meteor hands end up with slide bite on Glocks because the web of their thumb rides too high. So another custom feature there. Uh, this has a Picatinny rail on the front, which I actually would prefer if it had a regular Glock um, light rail on it instead of the Picatinny rail. But it's not that big of a deal. And then it has these nice little ramps on here like you see on some high dollar frames. So you do get a little extra support with your thumbs to keep that muzzle down when you're shooting. So overall, it has a lot of features that you would pay a lot of extra money to have burned into your factory Glock frame. And we're talking about a $150 piece of plastic. So to get those added features on a regular Glock, you're going to pay far, far more than 150 bucks. So that in itself is kind of neat. Now you have to balance that out with the fact that putting this together takes a little bit of tinkering and sometimes they are not real reliable right off the bat. Uh, this one took a little while to break in, but now it's fairly reliable. Now, I really wouldn't carry it, mainly because I have a lot of other handguns uh, that are factory handguns or custom handguns uh, that work very, very well. They're 100% reliable, and they are serialized, so I don't have to worry about trying to explain why there's no serial number on my gun. This gun has no serial number anywhere on it. Uh, the barrel, the slide, etc., nothing has a serial number on it. 
Traditionally, a factory Glock has a serial number on the bottom of the dust cover. It has a serial number on the slide and a serial number on the barrel. And ideally, all of three of those serial numbers match uh, on the handgun. Sometimes pieces can get swapped around and they don't match, but um, if it hasn't gone to Glock for some kind of failure, then it should have matching serial numbers on it. Um, so this doesn't have any, which brings me to another reason that I built it. I actually built this as an educational demo. I took it into work so that I could demonstrate to officers that there are chances that they will come across a non-serialized working firearm that is perfectly legal. Uh, usually when we come across firearms that don't have serial numbers on them, it's either because they are so old uh, that they were not required at the time to have serial numbers put on them, or more likely that the serial number was a obliterated at some point um, during that firearm's life. Uh, usually if they are stolen, we will see criminals obliterate the or obliterate these serial numbers uh, so that it can't be traced back as being stolen. Uh, that happens uh, more often than you would think. So that brings us to the big reason that the government is saying that you shouldn't be able to put these together and you shouldn't be able to buy these from companies is because they are afraid that these firearms are untraceable. Well, they kind of are. Like I said, there's no serial number on this. So if you found this at a crime scene, um, there's no way that this gun would be traced back to a purchase made by me. Um, so initially you would think, oh my God, well, that, that's horrible. Uh, so you could go out and kill somebody with this and leave it at the crime scene and nobody would know uh, where this gun came from. Well, um, to do that, that would be pretty horrible and you would break quite a few laws before you even got to using the weapon itself uh, because murder is kind of a bad thing and it is kind of very illegal in every state that I've ever been in and federally. So... Um, you've already broken those laws at that point. Uh, so it's really not a stretch that criminals break a few extra laws to cover up their crimes. Uh, the first usually being stealing the gun that they're going to use in a crime or purchasing a gun that someone else stole uh, on the black market. Uh, that is actually what we see most often is that when we find guns, um, it, my experience has been it's about 50% of the time those guns are stolen. Um, the other 50% of the time, the serial number comes up not stolen, but usually uh, when they end up running the trace, uh, it comes up that it was stolen, but it was never reported stolen because the owner, the original legitimate owner of that firearm never recorded the serial number. So when his gun came up missing or stolen uh, and he reported it, he couldn't report the serial number was stolen. Um, and then the other ones that we run into, again, are obliterated serial numbers, where someone has uh, defaced the firearm and removed all the serial numbers from it. Now, stolen guns and defaced guns don't really point to whoever committed the crime. So, a 80% firearm is, uh, or an 80% receiver, is no more dangerous than a stolen handgun or an obliterated serial number handgun. And these really are not out there in circulation as much as the regular handguns. Now, there's this argument that because uh, these are untraceable, these will become uh, the preferred firearm of criminals. 
Uh, well, I'm sure somewhere out there, there's probably a very skilled criminal that is taking uh, a lot of time in building uh, artisanal crafted 80% uh, receivers into working handguns and selling them to other criminals. Uh, that's probably like a one in a million case, though. I would say that if there are any guys out there that are buying these and assembling them to use for nefarious purposes, they are probably slapping them together as quickly as possible. I mean, not honestly, I've seen enough um, drug labs to know that these guys are not doing things in the most careful manner possible. Uh, so if that's the case, then yeah, arm them up with uh, poorly assembled 80% uh, guns. I I would much rather have them running around with those uh, than a stolen Glock that is probably going to work 100%. Um, these things, unless you tinker with them and you know how to diagnose issues uh, and really work with them, uh, they're probably not going to be as reliable as a factory Glock or a factory Smith & Wesson or a factory Springfield, etc., etc. Uh, so it really is not a huge safety issue. It's a minor annoyance uh, if you discover one at a crime scene and realize that you cannot trace it. Uh, so it's problematic that the, uh, the politicians are grandstanding on these and saying that it will have any effect whatsoever on violent crime because uh, it truly won't. The number of serialized firearms that are in circulation uh, is huge. Uh, so having some unserialized uh, home-built guns running around out there is not going to skew the violent crime numbers. Now, what I really would like to see and what I would like a lot of you guys to get out of this is secure your guns. Do not leave your guns unlocked in your vehicle. And I don't mean leaving your vehicle unlocked. I don't mean do not leave a firearm in your glove box, in your center console, under your seat, etc., no matter how well locked you think your car is, because you are surrounded in a car by glass. Glass is not a security barrier. Um, we see time and time again where somebody just uh, either, they go along and find cars that are unlocked, because we've all been there, we've all had that night where we were tired, come in the house, can't remember if we locked the car or not, and don't go back out and check. Um, or they just smash the window, unlock the car, rifle the contents, and then run before anybody bothers to come out and find out what's going on. Uh, we take tons and tons and tons of stolen gun reports. So be responsible. Lock your guns up. Bring them into the house. Keep them on you. Do not leave guns in your vehicles, especially overnight. Uh, but don't leave them in your vehicle, period. They don't really do any good in your vehicle. Keep them on you um, or take them into the house, and keep them at hand. Uh, so that is the biggest thing that you can do to reduce uh, the number of guns that are used in violent crimes is reduce the number of stolen guns that are running around out there by responsibly uh, hanging on to your guns. So really, overall, um, I'm happy with the uh, Polymer 80 that I put together. I probably will not build a bunch more of these because I just really don't have any need to do so. Uh, once I told up the cost on this, um, I probably could have picked up a used Glock handgun for very close uh, to the same price uh, and then had a little bit better holster compatibility. Uh, I only have uh, one or two holsters that will fit the uh, Polymer 80 uh, handgun here. Uh, 
um, I have a score of holsters that will fit Glocks. Uh, so it was kind of irritating to me that this will not fit in a standard uh, Glock 19 holster. Uh, so that kind of limits uh, the utility of it and how often uh, I use it for anything other than uh, just taking it out and playing with it on the range. But that's my opinion on the uh, P940C. We may do a full video on uh, building this thing up and uh, all the little uh, glitches that I ran into when I put mine together. If you want to see that, then go ahead and drop a comment down below. When it's all said and done, I believe it's your right as an American to be able to build firearms at home. So it irritates me uh, immensely uh, that the government is trying to restrict that under the guise of public safety because it is uh, really just a fallacy uh, that any legislation on 80% receivers is going to have any effect whatsoever on violent crime. Um, it's much like the argument on banning assault weapons. Uh, trying to believe that semi-automatic rifles have uh, anything more than a very fractional effect on violent crime overall. So that's my opinion, but as always, I want to hear your opinion. Uh, what do you think about 80% receivers? Have you built one? What was your experience with it? Please drop in the comments section down below or send it to me on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the video, please make sure you like, share, and subscribe. And again, check us out on Patreon if you want to learn how to help support content that you know and love. And until next time, get out and shoot.